Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. Well, let's pray. <clears throat> God, I thank you for this time. Um, this morning specifically, God, I want to pray for the schools. Um, as everybody sitting here knows, tomorrow's the first day of school. And some of us are celebrating that. And some of us are a little apprehensive, uh, maybe even scared. God, what a mission filled. What, a, what an opportunity to shine a light in what can be at times a very dark, confusing place, or very confused place maybe. Um, God, so I pray for the teachers. I pray for the volunteers. I pray for all, all the people that are employed by the school system. And I pray for all the students that are dark and that are gonna walk in the doors. Some of them at brand new school tomorrow morning. That it may be um, a time of a, a, a good time, not a scary time, but a good time, a positive experience. And God, help us, help us as the body of Christ to shine your light in places like that, that marketplace and other places just like that. Help us, God. Show us, show us our mission field. Show us our mission field. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, again, good morning. Welcome. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, the title of today's sermon is Marketplace Missionary. Um, that's our marketplace. That's our mission field. At least one of them, right? So my hope today, my challenge maybe, my encouragement to you is to be on mission. Maybe give you a friendly reminder. Maybe, maybe a fresh perspective, a different perspective of your mission field. So question, what is the purpose of the church? What are we called to do? Well, there's many things that I believe the church is called to do, if you will, but two particular mandates for sure. The church is called to disciple and the church is called to evangelize. That's it. Equip the saints, help the saints, help the believers grow and reach out to the lost, reach out to those that don't yet believe. That's what I try to run everything through. That's the filter that I run everything through. Why does Journey Church do what Journey Church does? And does it fit? Does it fit the mandate? So I'm gonna start with, again, maybe a friendly reminder, kind of back to the beginning. Uh, for me personally, 
if I ever find myself getting distracted, getting off target, if you will, or even finding myself in the weeds of life, so to speak, it's simply because I forgot my first love. I simply have forgotten my first love. I've forgotten what really matters. So we're going to start with a scripture this morning. So no matter where you find yourself, no matter where you find yourself with Jesus this morning, this is going to help. John 15, John chapter 15, verse 1, it says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Here it is. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he is that that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But this is by this my Father is glorified, that you would bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy be, may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So if you're counting, ten times Jesus says, abide. And oh, by the way, abide, 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 abide. Might want to pay attention to that one, right? Jesus says, abide in my love. And he also says, without me, you can do nothing. But my goal is for you to bear much fruit when you abide in me. So abide. So that's our, that's our challenge. That's our reminder. That's our back to my first love, right? So I don't know how you guys learn. I don't know how God teaches you, um, how you learn the scripture, um, etc. Um, just a little insight on how God teaches me and how I learn a concept, but also how I then remember this concept as I go forward in my life, in my walk with Jesus. Um, I have an acronym, and it's ABIDE, okay? So this is something that I use to remind myself and also to, to reach out to those around me. So ABIDE. Okay, so it might sound a little bit cheesy or corny to you, but that's fine. This is how I learn, and maybe, maybe this will help somebody here. So a is adoption. We have all been adopted. If we're a believer in Christ, we've been adopted. B, you belong. I, invitation. D, discipleship. E, evangelism. Abide. Okay, so we're going to go through that. A, adoption. Adoption. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, As believers, 
we are called children of God. We have been adopted in. If we are a born-again believer, if we have accepted Jesus as our Savior, we have been adopted into the family of Christ. Adoption. Romans 8, 14 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. God is our Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, adopted. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. Adopted. B, we belong. People are wired for relationship. I don't care who you are in here. I don't care your personality, if you're extrovert, introvert, somewhere in between. You, as a human, are wired for relationship. And because of that, you long to belong to something. You long for relationship. You long to belong to something. Just to a tribe of people, if you will. As a believer, you belong to the body of Christ. You belong. You are wired for relationship. This is your family. I don't know what your family life's like, your biological family. I don't know. Could be a train wreck. Could be amazing. I don't know. But you belong to this family. You belong. You belong to the body of Christ, the family of God. I, invitation. As I have been invited in, as I have been welcomed in, we are then to go give that away. We are then to go invite others in. We'll come back to this one. D, discipleship. We are called to pour in to other believers. Preached a sermon about this a couple weeks ago, so I'm not going to camp here much. Um, I will just spend a little time here. Again, discipleship. To To define discipleship, or a disciple, if you will, of Jesus is an imitator, a student, and a follower of Jesus. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore, this is Jesus talking, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples. E, evangelism. So, how do I define evangelism? Well, I looked, up, looked it up on Wikipedia. That's what we do, right? I, I'm, I'm serious. I looked it up on Wikipedia. Evangelism. But I like this definition. In Christianity, evangelism or witnessing is the act of preaching the gospel with the intention of sharing the message and teaching and good news of Jesus Christ. The act. So there's an action. It's a verb. 
Evangelism is a noun, but it's also a verb, right? R.C. Sproul, famous quote. It's, it's, give, it's, it's accredited to him. I'm, a, I'm assuming he's the one that made, I came up with this quote. Evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I'm simply one beggar telling another beggar where I found bread. Evangelism. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Right? Evangelism. If you were here a couple weeks ago when Pastor Stephen preached, what was his, what was his question? Who's your one more? Who's your one more? Right? Who do you have in your life that doesn't believe in Jesus yet, doesn't have, want anything to do with church, Christianity yet? Who is it in your life? If you don't have that one more, pray. They've, they're out there. They're out there. Who's your one more? So a, a very common scripture read, and rightfully so, in this setting, Acts 1.8. Jesus' words again. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. What's that look like? What's your Jerusalem? Well, I'm going to make the case that it's Gillette, Wyoming. Our Jerusalem is this city, right? That this is our mission field. Again, I'm, I'm for foreign missions. I've supported foreign missions. I've sent people on foreign missions, etc. I am not against foreign missions. Don't hear that. But I believe sometimes we get too far focused and not focused on Gillette, Wyoming. My prayer is that God would somehow use us to make the name of Jesus famous in Gillette, Wyoming. Right here. Not just this church. The church. I pray for all the churches in this city all the time that are preaching the Bible, the gospel. Jesus, make your name famous in this city. So what's your Jerusalem? What's your Judea? What's your Samaria? What does that look like for you? What is your marketplace? What is your marketplace? As a missionary called to be on mission for a purpose, on purpose, what's your marketplace? Mine is a grocery store, right? So for 40 years, in one way or another, for five days a week, for 40 years, I walked into a grocery store. Now, I'm not saying that to brag or like, wow, look at me. That was just my mission field. That's where God had me. For 40 years, I walked into grocery stores, right? That's my mission field. I'm very comfortable walking into a grocery store. A doctor's office, a school, a bank, not so much, right? That's not my marketplace. That's not my mission field, if you will. Not that those people don't need Jesus. But, but you, you all know, if you've seen me in a grocery store, we're going to talk. You know, pack a big lunch. We're going to be there a while, right? That's my mission field. God has used my job that I had all, all those years in the retail world 
That's my mission field. That's where I'm comfortable. I cannot go into a grocery store without checking out the meat, meat department. I cannot go into a grocery store without checking out the chip aisle. Ask my wife. <laughs> Drives her nuts. Hey, I can't help it. I did it for 30 years. It's just part of my DNA. I got to go make sure the chips look good. <laughs> and if they don't, I just leave because I can't handle it. Anyway, that's my mission field. Okay, that's my marketplace mission field. What is yours? I don't think we have to go looking for it. I don't think we have to go looking for a new mission field. I think it's already right there in front of you. Maybe you just haven't seen it. Maybe you just need to like, God, open my eyes and let me see these people the way you see them. Maybe. Something to consider. I don't think you have to go looking for a new mission field. So, my favorite story along this vein is Acts chapter 17. Paul, the Apostle Paul. Pretty good model to follow, I'd say. Um, so we're going to read some scripture. We're going to read a lot of scripture. But hang with me. We'll get through it. Um, I just love the whole story. And you kind of have to read it start to finish to kind of get, you know, what, what I believe God is trying to teach us here this morning. So Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 1. We're going to read the whole chapter. Acts chapter 17. Now when they, being Paul and his companions, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue. That's Paul. There was a synagogue, and Paul went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scripture explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous. Some believed some were persuaded, and some were jealous. And taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. Jason. Poor Jason, who's this guy? What'd he ever do, right? Seeking to bring them out, of the, out to the crowd. And when they could not find Paul, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, this cracks me up, these men who've turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them, and they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there's another, this, uh, another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed and they heard the, when they heard these things, and when they had taken money as security from Jason, and the rest, they let them go. So here's Paul. Here's his mission field. Some believed. Some, not so much. Right? They were looking for him. They are going to hunt him down. They were probably going to throw stones at him. They couldn't find him, so they took this poor Jason guy. Right? Some believed. And oh, by the way, also some opposition. Imagine that. So continuing in verse 10. Paul and Silas are now in Berea. The, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And, and when they arrived, 
into the Jews. And when they arrived, they went to the synagogue. Now the Jews who were more, these Jews were more noble than those in the Thessalonica, and they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek, with not a few Greek women and high-standing men as well. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was being proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command from Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Again, there's the theme. Paul's preaching the gospel. Paul's talking about Jesus, Christ and him crucified and resurrected. Some believed, some didn't. Welcome to life, right? Welcome to evangelism. Verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, Paul's, his spirit was provoked within him. I love that. While waiting in Athens, his spirit was provoked. He was uneasy in his spirit. Why? Because he saw this city that was full of idols. Your spirit ever been provoked for Gillette? You ever been out in the marketplace and like, man, God, what's going on? Where are you? I'm missing. What's show up, God, please, God. My spirit was provoked within me. So what's he do? Well, he's Paul. So what does he do? Verse 17. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons. And here's the hinge. And in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. So here's, here's our model. What does Paul do? As a Jew, he goes to the synagogue and preaches Jesus. Monday through Friday, he goes to the marketplace and reasons with them day by day with those that happen to be there. But here's the charge. You have to be there. You have to be there. I know we're all busy. And I know when we're running to the grocery store, you know, we got kids to feed, you know, whatever. We've all got these, you know, we got, we have this calendar. We have this agenda. We have this schedule. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But man, sometimes you just go, show me God. I want to be in this marketplace, but I need to be in this marketplace. You have to be there. Be engaged. Verse 18. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others say, he seems to be preaching uh, a preacher of foreign div divinities. Because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Here's the invitation part. Verse 19. Then they took him and brought him. So Paul invited them into the conversation. 
And then they invited Paul into their conversation. That's the invitation. You have been invited in. Are you inviting other people in to the conversation? The invitation. They took him and brought him to the era. I even, I practiced this. Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who live there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. Okay, some of this stuff, this is their culture, right? This is what they did in their culture. What about our culture? What does the marketplace look like for us? Again, I don't know what it looks like for you. I can just tell you what it looks like for me. What does your marketplace look like? What does the invitation look like for you? Again, as, as people have invited you into their life, invite them into your life. Verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you're very religious, for I have passed along and observed the objects of your worship. I have also found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. So, idols everywhere. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I will proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on, on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they see God and perhaps fill their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring, his family. Being God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone or an image formed by the art of imagination of man. He's not an idol that we can see. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he's fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And this he has given assurance to all of us by raising him from the dead. Verse 32. Now when the people heard of the, re the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, we want to know more. We will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. Verse 34. But some men joined and believed. Among who were also were Dionysus and a woman named Demarius and others with them. Again, some mocked, some, we want to hear more. We want to hear more about this Jesus. And some believed. See the theme? Has that ever happened to you? What about when Jesus was walking the earth, right? That's a pretty good model to follow. Pretty good model to follow. As Jesus was doing his ministry, walking the earth, as he was teaching, as he was performing miracles, as he was uh, healing people, all, all of it, some believed, some mocked, some loved him, some wanted to kill him. 
if that has happened to you, you're in pretty good company. Jesus and the Apostle Paul, that's pretty good company to be hanging out with. So when you're mocked, when you're made fun of, when people say things about you, why does it surprise you? It's not fun, it's not easy, but it shouldn't surprise us, people. It shouldn't surprise us. John 15, 18, strong words. These are strong words. This is from Jesus. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I choose you out of this world, therefore the world hates you. Well, I don't want to be hated. I want people to like me. Right? Perhaps we fear the opposition. Perhaps we fear the mocking. Perhaps we fear the hatred. I don't know. Don't. Again, you're in really good company if that's what's happening to you. Last week, Pastor Aaron talked about being on purpose, on purpose in the workplace, right? Working as unto the Lord in your work, work environment. Did I do that perfectly for 30, 40 years? Of course not. Of course not. Do you have you? Of course not. More victories than defeats? I hope so. Right? Work is into the Lord. So how do we view people out there in the marketplace? Right? Have you ever thought about it? I don't know what you do for a living. You know, I don't know some of your stories. I obviously don't know everybody's story here. I don't know what you do for a living. I don't even know if you know Jesus yet. Right? But if you do, and you're out there living life, that's your mission field. That's your marketplace mission field. So when you're out there, how do you view those people? Well, again, I can tell you something that helps, that helps me. I have in my hand here a bunch of pennies. This one's brand new, shiny. Looks like it's just got minted. Got a couple that are pretty scuffed up. That one looks like it's been run over a few times. This one, you know, like this one, you know, he walks like me, acts like me, talks like me, dresses like me. This one here, that dude's been run over a few times. Got some, I don't know what that is on him, right? Those pennies have value. How many, pen, how many times you walked by a penny, like, doesn't even have value? I'm not even going to pick it up. Those people in the marketplace, they have value. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what they dress like. It doesn't matter where they shop. They have value. Every penny has value. How many times you walked by a penny? I don't have time to pick up the penny. Right? Me. How many times I walked by somebody? I don't have time for this person. Have you seen my schedule, God? Every one of them has value. How are you looking at them? We sang the song, Goodness of God. Love that song. Uh, I wasn't there when the song was wrote, written, I should say, sorry. Um, so I don't know what verses they were using for that vision for that song. That song, though, speaks to me every time. Can never get through it. Here's why. It reminds me of Psalm 23. 
right? And here's why. Psalm 23. It's not up there on purpose. I just want you to receive this. Psalm 23.1 will be up there. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The rest, I purposely didn't put it up there. Sometimes a, a very familiar passage of scripture, a very familiar psalm, we can kind of, oh yeah, I got that, check, moving on. No, I don't want that this morning. I want you to just listen to these words and receive these words, maybe like never before, about what your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with God, and then also what it looks like to be on mission. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. What a promise. What a promise. God's promise, God's provision, God's protection. Here's what I want you to see. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Verse 6, and I will live, I will live in the house of the Lord forever. What about in the meantime? What, what about, okay, here's the, the day of my salvation. I don't care if you're 4, 44, 84, whatever it was. Go back to that first love. And then here's the day of my death or until Jesus comes back to get us. But what about in the meantime? What about the gap? Here it is. Surely God's goodness and unfailing love will pursue you all the days of your life. So, that is a beautiful promise to us, but that is also God's promise to those in your life that don't yet know Jesus. The same God that ran you down, the same God that pursued you, the same God that pursued you with his love, grace, mercy, that same God is pursuing other people in your life. The same way he pursued you, the same way he tracked you down back in the day, whenever that was for you, that very same God is pursuing those in your life. And man, you might think there, there's no way this person is far beyond. Nobody, and I mean nobody, is up beyond the reach of God. Nobody. Rest in that, people. Keep on praying. Do not grow weary. Keep on praying. But know that God's goodness and unfailing love is pursuing them. Just pray that they turn. Pray that they stop running. And in the meantime, just go live your life in your, in your mission field. So believe that. 
Believe that for yourself. Believe that for others. And as we abide, as we rest in God's love, his provision, his protection, and as we let him use us to bear fruit, may we keep on keeping on. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you pursue us. Thank you that you invited us in. You have invited us into the family of God. And even now, God, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus, you are inviting them in to a relationship with you, the great I am, the God of the universe, the creator of the universe is pursuing each and every one of us with his love. That should blow our minds. That should absolutely put us on our face before the great I am. God, you are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our surrender. May we do so. God, may we do so. God, show me, show us. Show us the people out in the marketplace. God, show us. Open our eyes. Give us your eyes. Let us see people the way you see people. And may we be bold enough to speak about you, no matter the outcome, no matter if they believe or mock. Let us not worry about the results. Let's help us to just be obedient to what you're asking us to do. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.